0: Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you, to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. I'm delighted to be with you today as we look at everything we need to know about asset management, which is a critical aspect For any real estate investor, and always something really difficult to stay on top of. So Dave Sherbel has over thirty years' experience in all real estate product types, with a specialty in multifamily product, and he's been involved in all phases in the life cycle of an investment. He holds an MBA from SUNY at Buffalo, and an accounting cum laude from SUNY also at SUNY Buffalo, and he is. Affiliated with the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. So, Dave, take us into the show and share a memorable experience.
1: Memorable experience was going to work with my father at a young age. We'd go on the train. We would share the newspaper. We'd talk about the business section, you know, what we both read, and you'd kind of explain things to me. We'd go to the office, and he would give me, and he was in the garment business, he'd give me. Menial jobs, but jobs that had to be done. So usually it was going to the hangar room and taking hangers that were all over the place in boxes and, you know, get them into order and detangle them. And it would take all morning, but for that, he would take me out for lunch. So no matter how small the task was, his theory was you have to do your best and you have to do it right because someone's counting on the hangers that they they were using to put uh, the garments on before they shipped them out yeah well great experience how old were you when you started
0: into your i was In probably nine old, probably nine or i was old. probably nine yeah helping out yep wow yeah well that probably gave you a good sense of well-being to be able to to be a part of that experience and to feel a part of the team so good way to start out there thanks for sharing that So let's start off with how we can do proper due diligence, which is, of course, the initial aspect of good asset management. So
1: due diligence, you know, to me is the the key to the investment. If you buy wrong, it's tough to make money. If you buy right and you have your risks accounted for and quantified, then you're in better shape and you can raise the money that you need in today's market, a lot of the buyers are having to put up money at risk day one, outside of title and environmental, and they're not getting the ability where in the old days you'd put a one percent, you know, soft deposit down, and they get thirty days to do due diligence, where you're really checking all the details, you know, the plumbing, electrical, shopping markets, you know, getting your construction costs with you know real bids so you know i find that a lot of you know new syndicators new owners you know to tie deals up and to give them the competitive edge they're giving up that due diligence time and try to do buyer's access agreement for 10 days you find out that a lot of the problems that you know people have is that they didn't do due diligence they raise money based on not knowing all the facts And then when they start owning and managing the deal, you know, that's when they start finding out the problems that they don't know about. And those are usually the big ticket items. And it's tough to go back to investors and ask for more money when you've done your original due diligence.
0: Yeah, because going back and asking for money, obviously, is going to mean a reduction in the return on that investment. So not a pleasant thing to find yourself in. Well, how do today's Buyers avoid that because it is such a competitive market. And to get into these deals, uh, they do have to compromise on various different things, as well as you said, put up more money than historically has been the case. So, what's your advice uh, in this market?
1: My advice is that yes, you want to close a deal and you want to get something on your scorecard, but the trade off is a little bit on the higher side. You don't want to buy something and then have your first, second, third deal you know, not perform and that affects your track record, I would stick to my guns and I would, you know, say we need to do proper due diligence, whether it's 21 days or 30, you know, we'll put more purchase price or just put the offer in that you're comfortable with, that the deal makes sense that it has room for hiccups. But I wouldn't give up the being able to manage the risks of the deal Just to get the deal, either you're going to pay now or you're going to pay later for it, and it's very painful when you pay later for it. For sure. Well,
0: how do you go about performing due diligence on a property management?
1: Oh, on property management companies. You know, typically when you meet the property management companies, they're bringing the business development person, maybe you know some of the the heads of the company, but those really aren't the people that are going to be working on your deal. Typically we go and we ask for the regional manager to be at the meeting so we can ask direct questions to the person. If there is a property manager that they're going to assign to us that they already know, we ask for the resume. And then we go shop the regional's properties and we shop the manager where they're working. We want to see if their staffs are friendly. We want to see if their properties are clean. The landscaping shows well. And we ask for the clients of that regional so that we could talk directly to them and see kind of the, the good, the bad, or indifferent, so that when we step into the play before we close, we're comfortable that the person that's going to be running our deal is a good operator, and that the manager candidate, if they have one, we're comfortable with someone managing our $20, $30 million business. We just don't rely on the business development people, CEO, CFO, telling us what we want to hear. We want to see what the foot soldiers are going to provide to us.
0: Sounds like uh, good advice. Look into the foot soldiers and also look and see what is actually going on on the ground by looking at other facilities that are being managed and actually go into the offices. Very good advice there. Are there specific questions that you are always going to be asking of property managers? When
1: so, you know, the key is, is management companies make money on their regionals, they like to overload their regionals with lots of assets. So we all ask, how many assets will the person have? How many clients does that portfolio? If they have five, six deals and they're mostly with one client and I'm just adding one, they're probably, I'm not going to get the love that the bigger client is getting. How geographically dispersed is the portfolio? Are they going to be in the car a lot in different states rather than being you know, on my property? What's the status of the other deals they manage? Are they lease ups? Are they value adds where they're in the middle of the process? Are they stable deals? Just so that we can kind of see what the workload is. So, you know, we're doing a little bit more detailed homework to make sure that we're not stepping into a situation where the person is overloaded with work, has a lot of challenging assets, has a lot of geographical dispersion. So we we try to find that out Mm -hmm. before we we pick, uh, pick a firm.
0: Do you ever use local firms rather than uh, big major firms?
1: Typically, I, d- I don't go with the big nationals. I find that, you know, unless you're a major client, you're not going to get the love and attention. You're not going to be able to pick up the phone and get an owner of the management company on the phone. And typically, they build back a lot of expenses. Some you know, some you don't know. So we, we try to find somebody that has sophistication. Has a decent bench strength. You know they'll have a marketing department. They'll have a good accounting department. We don't really mind if they don't have construction management because you know we we bring a construction management team to all of our clients that we've used for the last twenty five years. So we can help supplement on certain things. And we try to find the company that has the sophistication where they're buying in bulk and. You know, they're using their economy of scales to all their clients' benefit. So regional local players are good, but you know, they have to have bandwidth and the ability to grow as we're growing. Yeah. Okay. Well that makes we sense. want to pick a match for a company that people want to work for. Mm-hmm. We want them to have the best talent and we'll, you know, give them on our property budget higher payroll dollars. So that they can attract the best Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, trying to go for the lowest cost where, Mm -hmm. you know, people may not want to work on our properties. That makes sense.
0: Do you have any property managers or do you always go through third parties?
1: We always go through third parties. We try not to be in the property management business, Mm -hmm. not because we can't do it, but typically if a management company is not performing I don't want my asset management business to not make the right decision. You know, I, I work for the client. Do Sherry, if the management company is not performing, then you know we will replace the management company.
0: Mm-hmm. And you find that easier to do than actually replacing an employee, isn't it?
1: It depends. I mean, if the property manager or someone on the staff is not performing, you know, we will let the management company know. But, you know, they're the experts in property management and their staff. We never want them to say, you've put someone on our properties that we, you know, don't report to us. We'd rather have them, you know, succeed with their own horses. And, you know, if they fail, at least they could say they failed with their own people versus taking on, you know, whatever people that we may put on the property mm. and, you know, switching out management companies. If the management company is not performing and that's from their staff to, you know, corporate support in achieving our business plan, you know, which we discuss with them before we hire them to make sure that everyone's aligned, then yeah, we'll replace a management company. You know, you should never be afraid to make changes. You know, if the situation's not working, you know, it's best for everyone just to kind of move on. Have you had
0: to go through that experience of, well, essentially changing horses in the middle of the stream?
1: Yes, many times. Many times. Though. Sometimes within three months, sometimes after a few years, you know, sometimes the there's changes in the staffing of the management company. Sometimes they shrink where, you know, they're not as big as you would like. Sometimes they get and their eye falls off, you know, the ball. And sometimes the business plan is not being achieved. And, you know, one management company is not going to be great on every asset in every market. It just doesn't work. So sometimes you have to pivot, make a hard decision and move in a different direction. Sometimes the management companies may not like the clients. You know, there may be a difference of opinion. Yeah. Sometimes clients run into cash flow problems and management companies don't want to have them sitting on their books, even though they're not their payables, vendors think that they may. So for whatever reason, management companies are changed out. What are the transition periods like? You know, look, every company's been transitioned on and transitioned off, you know, so you want to have a good transition where, you know, there's respect and data and information is swapped over. And if there is a specialty staff that's going to stay on with the new management company, you want it to be as easy as possible. Does that happen all the time? No, but it's really getting counting information and property information from system A to system B, you know, getting that done, getting contracts reviewed and, and transferred over, making sure there's a place for staff, whether they're going to stay with company A or they're going to go with company B, lender approval in most cases. So if you start the process early and you get both parties on the phone and you make it as amiable as possible, uh, you're going to have a good. Transition. How does that tend to affect the tenants? Tenants really Hmm. won't notice, you know, they'll see there's new, you know, there may be new people in the office and stuff. If you're buying a property and there'll be a new who to pay the check to, but those go out. There'll be a little bit of, they may have bonded with a leasing agent or a manager. You know, we typically have new meet and greet type of uh, resident community activities so that. They know who's now the person to talk to. Sometimes, you know, the change might have been because we, company A, may not have been able to, to, you know, get the work orders done on a timely basis. May have had an issue of properly staffing it. So sometimes change, the residents will take it in a positive manner. Key is, are you taking care of their service issues? Are you building community within the community activities? Is the property clean? Does it feel safe? You know, those are the key things. If you're doing that, then there shouldn't be a problem. It's when you stop doing that is when the residents feel it. And, you know, residents' dollars are tight and people have options of where they want to live. So we got to treat them right, take care of their issues. You know, same issues that you and I would have. Well, in the asset management process,
0: of course, a lot of that, once the acquisition is made, has to do with reporting. What are the important reports? What is the important information that needs to come back to the investor from the reports?
1: So, you know, from the asset management perspective and in and, and the ownership, we have weekly calls with our management companies where we get weekly operational data points. We also have access to their accounting systems. So if we want to review reports, we can. The monthly financials, it's the typical T12 income statement. Actual to budget for the month and for year to date. A balance sheet is extremely important. We get the detail uh, general ledger. You get the trial balance. You know, we like to see what makes up the the expenses, and you get that from looking at the detail GL. Most of the systems you can double click on an expense, see what makes it up, and then you can double click and kind of see the invoice and the source document. So I take my Accounting background, and I go to source documents. If I want to find out what's actually in the financial statement numbers, not just reading the financials on, on their own. Usually, we get a variance report. Most management companies will do a rent roll, a PR reports, but we're getting those on a weekly basis. The detailed AR and the detailed AP. Either a you know we want to, we're always trying to collect as much as possible. We want to know where we are in evictions. We have to manage cash. We want to know what payables are out there and you know what expenses are coming up. So, you know, if it's a renovation, we get a le- lease trade-out report it shows us what the person in a classic unit was paying and now that we've renovated it for x dollars, what is the new person paying? On uh, renewals, we want to know what type of increases we're getting. So, you know, there's just a lot of reports out there. You know, it's just taking the time to review them and being able to see if the original business plan is being met or if it's not. Why isn't it being met, or do we have to adapt and go in a different direction? Well, that's all
0: well and good for a CPA. Most investors are not CPAs.
1: No, but can't, everyone's good at cash. Yeah. Cash is easy to manage. Cash Did you put more in the bank than you spent? Uh-huh. You know, so the so
0: what are the, the critical reports that, uh, that a typical investor really needs to focus
1: in on? P&L, balance sheet, profit and loss, a T12. Because the T twelve is showing, you know, the the trends that are happening, where the P and L versus budget is just the budget. But if you have a bad budget, it becomes a useless type of report. So I look at the T twelve, I look at the trends. Am I going up? Am I going down? The balance sheet's important because, and most people don't look at it, but you know, cash receivables, payables, you know, deposits, escrows with the lender. Have we drawn down on our replacement reserves? Have we drawn down on our CapEx? Are payables getting out of hand? Is cash at a minimum and we need to find ways? So the balance sheet is is critical to review. And how how does
0: a a typical investor understand that, that balance sheet? I think that's one reason they don't look at them is they just don't understand how to read a balance sheet. And so you're talking about it's telling you are those reserves going up or down? Is the cash flow coming in? How do they really understand development?
1: Well, you know, you, you, you go down the assets and you understand, you know, what what's in each specific account, what it means for it to go up, what it means to go down. You know, obviously assets going up are better than assets going down, you know, so you just got to re- review it and understand you know, there's really nothing complex CPA-like in a property management company's Books and records for a a multifamily deal. There's not. Yeah. So there's not inventory. There's not cost of goods sold. You know, there's not stock type of stuff. It's really cash, AR, escrow accounts, AP, debt. You imagine five topics and things.
0: And you're tracking that from month to month to see whether they're increasing or or decreasing in terms of balance sheet there.
1: Or what's yeah, It ties to, the, ties to the P&L. The P&L flows into the balance sheet. So right. the p and Ls everyone is their first stop, but then you got to kind of see how it makes it over to the balance sheet. Okay. Well, you said that you watch
0: the trends. What are the red flags in terms of trends?
1: Well, I'm always looking at the lease loss, you know, market rent. You can raise your market rent, you know, $400. But if it's not making it to the net effective, then... You know, all you're really doing is, you know, just raising rents and, you know, for some management companies, you know, that's, or for some owners, they think that's great, but you can't spend it unless you're collecting it. So I'm looking at the lease loss to make sure on my renewals, on my new move-ins, that people are actually paying the price that we think the unit is worth. Two, I look at bad debt. I try to be conservative and second, the AR amount is over 31 days. I set up an allowance for it for bad debt, where a lot of management companies won't write it off until the tenant moves out, and that could be three months, four months. So what happens is you have your revenue is is overstated for a bunch of months, and then you get this big hit. So it's hard to project out. So I try to be conservative and just do allowances, you know, so that you know any one month, I kind of know you know what my true run rate is. Well, wonderful
0: information, Dave. And it's nice to have a a CPA who can really talk about these things in a really informed way. So thanks for sharing those things with us. And I know our viewers and listeners can benefit from what you have to offer. So tell us what you offer and how to take advantage of it.
1: So, you know, cradle to grave, C to G asset management. We do... Work from the due diligence to the capital event, whether it's a sale or refi. Uh, We'll help with the business plan. We'll help with construction management, taxes, insurance. And we're hands-on, so we're pushing the management companies to achieve the goals that we've set up for them. Um, We're on the real estate every month, sometimes a couple times a month, depending on where the deal is in the process. We have weekly phone calls, so we consider ourselves hands-on, owner's rep, and we get into the weeds. Versus looking at macro level stuff, you know, we're not dealing with the investors and the macro level issues. We leave that for our clients because it's their investors. We're really on the, the micro level and pushing. Okay.
0: So you do that as as a fee-based service or, you, or are you talking about that as a... An, an...
1: We do. We do both. Uh, there are some deals that we've taken, you know, LP interest, GP interest in lieu of uh, a fee. But our fees are, are low. They're a fixed fee. We try not to hit the, w- the books too hard. And, you know, we do handshake agreements. If we're not performing, you just tell us to leave. If you don't like us, you know, we don't want anyone unhappy. Mm. And usually within the first few months, we we'd more than make, make our fee.
0: Yeah, it sounds like, like you would. I mean, it's such an important aspect of investing and owning properties. And it, it oftentimes gets neglected and a high price is paid for the neglect of the asset management.
1: But where we really help owners of the real estate is that we allow them, we're a plug and play option where they can focus on what they like to do in the, the transact. They like to do find the deal, raise the equity you know, once it comes in, they trap it, we skin it so that they don't have to focus on the day-to-day of the investment. That's what we do for them. So I have 30 plus years. My partner has 20 plus years. So you don't have to train us. You don't have to show us. We have the experience and, you know, we're plug and play. Sounds excellent. Yeah. And I
0: mean, you're an investor yourself. And so you
1: know how to
0: just immediately tie into the property management firms and, and then translate that information back to the investors.
1: Yeah. I mean, most of the time, the problem is, you know, people not paying attention, you know, the owners may not go out to the asset. They may not be on weekly calls. You know, you may not be big for the management company. You may just have one deal with them. So it's inattention, whether it's ownership inattention or property management company inattention, you know, we give that ability that every day, every week we're pushing buttons to make sure that everyone is, is focused on getting the deal done. Times are good now, but if you've been through cycles, times will, will change. So you got, you got to maximize the good times and try to minimize the down times. Absolutely. And, you know, I talked to a lot of investors. Many of them
0: have been doing it for less than five years, and they think that this Rose Garden is going to be there forever. But the old veterans who've been through 2008, they know better. So, Dave, it's been wonderful having you. Thanks so much for sharing your expertise and knowledge. Thanks for being on our show.
1: Thank you very much for having us. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve
0: Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments.